Hey there everyone, we are on a journey right now of how do we raise the water level of the Holy Spirit's activity in our midst when we are gathered together. Uh, that's our journey. We're talking about taking ground in spirit together and how do we do that when we are together corporately. Um, let me say firstly, if you haven't listened to the podcast from the first Sunday in August, can I encourage you, hit pause right now, go back and listen to that because that sets a foundation for everything that we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. So go and get a hold of that if you, uh, if you haven't done that and then come back to this. So now, assuming that you've heard that, you know that we're talking about taking ground in spirit together. How do we raise the water level of the Holy Spirit's activity in our midst? And I guess the first thing I would like to say about that, about the water level of the Holy Spirit's activity, and that is um, where we don't have to retreat to our theology to know that God is here. We know that he is here because his presence is being manifested. His presence is active in our midst. People are getting touched. People are getting healed. Uh, things are happening that can only be God. That's what we want. And not only in, when we're worshiping, but wouldn't it be amazing if people can just hit the edges of the building, not even be on the floor where we meet, um, and all of a sudden the level of the presence of God that we are experiencing is flowing out there. Wouldn't it be amazing if the library that is open underneath us when we meet started to experience the presence of God because of what is happening in our midst. That would be amazing. That's when we're really starting to bring heaven to earth. That's when we're really starting to shift the atmosphere in our community and our city. It's happened before. Today's not the time for a history lesson. It's happened before. It can happen again. But one of the first things I want to get across to us is this key idea that the level of the presence of God that we are experiencing when we are gathered together, it's not random. It's not chance. It's not that sometimes God just chooses to turn up in different ways than at other times. Though, I never rule out the sovereignty of God. He can do what he wants when he wants. But the normal pattern is not retreating to the sovereignty of God. The normal pattern is there are practices, there are things that we can do, each of us individually and us together corporately, that either increase the power and presence of the Spirit's activity in our midst or decrease it. In other words, our actions can actually make it easier or harder for God to do what he wants to do because he operates by agreement. He doesn't subvert our own will. So if you can get this first, that the water level of the Holy Spirit's activity and the water level by that mean when the water level is high, his presence is obvious. His presence is manifest. You can't miss it. When the water level is low, um, you kind of have to retreat to your theology um, to know that God is here. And if you want some kind of biblical precedent for the water level of the Holy Spirit, go to Ezekiel chapter 47. Um, and it's quite clear in that prophetic picture that there are levels of the Holy Spirit's activity because that river there um, is a type of the Holy Spirit and the, and the flow of the Holy Spirit. So let's get this first and foremost that the level of the presence of God that is manifested in our midst is not random. It is not random. We can make choices and we can, we can do things that actually increase the water level or decrease the water level. It's much more in our hands than we think. That's number one. So 
Where we go from here is I want to talk about, if you like, the practice of corporate presence and what are the things that we can do and what are the things that scripture says about when we come and meet together. And in this particular teaching, I want to look at just one particular thing. And let me tell you up front the point that I want to make and then we'll dive into some scripture. The point that I want to make here is this, and this is so important, um, and this, this alone could bring about such a shift in the level of presence that we experience. And the key is this. When we come together, it's different to my own time with God. Okay? When we come together, it's different to my own time with God. You see, too many of us, when we come together, we treat it like I'm having my own experience of God, but I'm just happening to, ha happening, um, to have that experience in the midst of a whole lot of other people who are all doing the same thing. That is not the focus of the New Testament church gathered. Now, just for the record, I am a huge fan of you, me, or anyone having their own experience of God. Um, and a lot of the, the prayer ministry work we do is about unlocking people's hearts so that they can do that very thing. So I'm not saying don't have your own experience of God. What I'm saying is when we come together, my own experience of God is not the focus. So... What is the focus? So when I am on my own with God, the focus is my own intimacy and my own journey with God. When we come together, the focus is the common good and the building up of the church, the building up of everybody else. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we'll look at a couple of bits from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, through um, to 14. In the New Testament, we see a number of times where there are descriptions of the early church gathered. We see that a number of times in, in the early chapters of Acts where they devoted themselves to the apostles' um, teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and of prayer in Acts chapter 2. We see descriptions. There aren't that many specific instructions for the church gathered corporately for worship. And 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is one of the key passages that doesn't just describe, but actually overtly instructs us about how we are to come together in worship. So let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And many of us know these scriptures in particular, particularly well. And where I want to land first in particular is in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12. So Paul's already talked about, you know, about the things of the Spirit. I don't want you to be ignorant. There are different kinds of gifts in the same Spirit, and so on he goes. Um, but verse 7, he says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And this is the first time Paul actually introduces into this idea of, of corporate worship together that the purpose of us coming together is for the common good. It's not for my good, it's for the common good. That word common good, it's one word in the Greek, the word sumphero. Sumphero. Um, at the beginning, it's sum, which is like the bringing together of stuff. Sumphero, S-U-M-P-H-E-R-O. Um, and what it means is to be of advantage to someone. Um, in particular, in this context, to be of advantage to someone else. So when I come to, when I come to the corporate place of worship, 
manifesting the work of the Holy Spirit, the focus is not my own intimate experience. The focus when we come together is to be of advantage to somebody else. This is an absolutely critical distinction. Then we move to 1 Corinthians 13, and it is the famous love chapter. We read it at weddings, and, you know, and it's great. I've read it at weddings. I think it's fantastic. No problem with that whatsoever. Just understand that the context of 1 Corinthians 13 isn't actually about a wedding. The context of 1 Corinthians 13 is right in between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, which is all about corporate worship, the church gathered together. And it says right at the heart of it all is this thing called love. Love cannot exist in a vacuum. Love is pointed outward. Love is pointed towards someone else. So the very fact that 1 Corinthians 13 is right in between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, the chapter's all about corporate worship, says at the center of when we come together is love. And that's that sense of the common good. I'm here because I am here to be of advantage to you. I'm not just here to have my own experience of God. I am here to be of advantage to you. So then we go into 1 Corinthians chapter 14, um, verses 1 uh, through to 5. Paul says, follow the way of love. And there is that way of love. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Now, there is a reason he says, especially prophecy. This is why he goes on. For anyone who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So we see this distinction between my own spiritual experience, uttering stuff to God, and then saying, but there is this thing of benefiting the church, of building up others, of being of strength, encouragement, and comfort to other people. That is the focus when we gather. And then he says, he really rams it home in verse 5. He says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. In other words, I want all of you to be having these mystical spiritual experiences. This is great. I love that. Bring it on. But then he says, there's actually a higher way. And he says, um, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets. Why? So that the church may be edified. It is really clear what Paul is saying to the church about their focus. And the Corinthian church was one of the most spiritually activated um, churches in all of the New Testament. They, they were, it was chaos. It was crazy. They were incredibly spiritually activated. And Paul says, hey, that's great. But when you come together, it's got to be pointed at something. And that something is it needs to be pointed at the advantage, the edification, the strengthening, encouragement and comfort of someone else. Now, I'm sure I'm not the only one. You know, there are times when I've come um, to the corporate place of worship when we come together and I need that strengthening. I need that encouragement. I need that comfort um, because I'm battling. I'm struggling. And then, but when I come in and everyone's about their own thing, I go away just the way that I left. And that should never happen. When we come together, yeah, we, if my fire is, is smoldering a little, but I come around a whole lot of other fires, I catch their fire. That's the idea. This is why 
the writer of Hebrews says, don't forsake meeting regularly together as some are in the habit of doing because our fires are meant to co-mingle and ignite one another. So he says, verse five, all of this, so that the church may be edified. He talks about that a little bit more. Let's go, let's jump down for the, to verse 13. He says, for this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with understanding. So interesting, it's not an either or. It's not saying don't have some mystical experience or some incredible experience with God. Um, that, that benefits you. It's not saying don't do that, put that all aside. No, it's saying, yes, do that. It's a, it's a both end. Yes, have your own experience, but remember that the focus of that experience when I'm gathered is outward. It says, otherwise, verse 16, otherwise when you're praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in a position of inquiry, say amen to your thanksgiving since they don't know what you're saying. You are giving thanks well enough but no one else is edified. That is such a key statement. You are having your own experience of God. Fantastic. But who else is edified by that? When you're at home alone with God, doing your whole thing with God, that is the time for you to be giving thanks, for you to be personally edified, for you to be built up. That's the time for that. When we come together, Paul is saying, you know what? Great that you're feeling encouraged. But what's it doing for anybody else? You know, in other words, when we come together, it's not about your preference. It's not about your experience. It's, it's not about what you are comfortable with and how you are comfortable encountering God. It is how am I bringing my fire to bear for the advantage of the common good? Now, this has a whole lot of really pragmatic implications. So, you know, when he says you are giving thanks, well and good, but no one else is edified. I want you to think for a moment about the posture that you take in worship. Now, we all have different preferences. You know, some of us are more extroverted. Some of us are more introverted. Um, and just about everything in between. Some of us love to dance and shout and scream. Others are, of us deeply love sitting still. And one of the things that you'll notice, and we'll talk more about the posture of worship um, in future teachings, but um, it doesn't give specific instructions to introverts and extroverts that are separate. It says, to the introverts do this, to the extroverts you can do this. It's not like that. In fact, all of us need all of it. To the introverts, the whole shout, scream, you know, um, resounding, clanging, um, I'm saying resounding gongs and clanging cymbals, but that's 1 Corinthians 13, that's the bad kind. Psalm 150, where there's, there's noise and sound of worship. Um, the introverts need to get a bit more of that, whereas the extroverts need to get a little bit more of the be still and know that I am God. We all have the things that we naturally flow towards, but scripture doesn't give separate instructions to introverts and extroverts. It says all of it to all of us. So we don't get to go, you know what? I'm just not like that. According to scripture, we all get to do all of it. More on that in future times. 
but think about the posture that you take in worship. If I'm just sitting there just in my own little zone, just quietly here, I might be having my own experience of God. But again, Paul would say to that, you are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. In other words, there is nothing about the posture. There is nothing about your expression of worship that is doing anything for anyone else but you. And that is not why we gather. So one of the things that I really want us to consider as we come together is the posture that I take in worship. Is that just about me or is that about encouraging others? Is that about lifting the fire, about strengthening, encouraging and comforting other people? Is the way that I'm carrying myself in corporate worship actually causing someone else's fire to rise up? That's what I want us to think about. Verse 20, he then says, after all this, he says, brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be inference, but in your thinking, be adults. In other words, what he's saying here is a term that we've been really familiar with since the beginning of the year, and that is people, grow up. Grow up. In other words, it is infantile thinking to think that I am here for me when we are gathered corporately. And he's saying, come on, people, grow up. You need to understand that when we come together, this is not about you. It's about us. It is about being of advantage to someone else. It is about strengthening, encouraging and comforting others. I am not here for me. So, if I was to wrap this up really simply, what are we asking? What I'm asking is when we come together now, I want us to make a very deliberate and intentional shift in our mindset. When I'm walking in that door, it's not about me anymore. Now, I am welcome to have my own spiritual experience. And as I said, I am a huge fan of that. And anyone who knows me knows that I am an absolutely huge fan of that. And when people have that, I rejoice and go lay hands on me. Let me get some of what you got on me as well. So I'm a huge fan of that. What I'm talking about is the focus of our intentionality. If I'm coming in focused on my own intimacy with God and my own spiritual experience, there's actually no reason to come together. I can do that at home. When we come together, Paul is really clear in these chapters that it's for the common good. It is so that the church may be edified, that the church may be built up, so that it would be to the advantage of another. So how I carry myself in worship, how I engage myself in worship, is that encouraging others to take their fire higher? Are they receiving from my fire or am I just off doing my own thing? When I come together, my courage in worship will encourage another. When we all come with that mindset, I'm not here for me, I am here to bring my fire, to add to the fire of others. I'm here to strengthen, encourage and comfort another. And we take that posture in corporate worship. Even this alone, I think, can dramatically shift to a higher level what we are experiencing together. So I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us. This is such an important shift. It's not about me. Everything in our world, especially in the Western world, it's all about me, 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 me. The kingdom's different. When we come together, I'll say it again and again, it's not about me. What will be your posture? What will be your intentionality? 
You are here to raise the water level of the Holy Spirit's activity for everyone around you. And when we all come together with, with that mindset, with that heart attitude, watch what happens. Take this on board, steward over, pray it through. And then when we come together this, this weekend, let's put that into practice. And I can't wait. Bless you. Thank <laughs> you.